You're listening to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about movies that just came out. And today's movie is uh, this one's this one's something real special. Today we're going to be talking about a bit of a bit of blatant propaganda, but like straight up, it's also just a really good movie. Uh, we're going to talk about Top Gun Maverick. Uh, I think by me saying it's also just a really good movie, that kind of gives away our general thoughts on this, but like it is a little more nuanced than that. We did both like it. Um, this is a spoiler-free episode, if I remember correctly. Uh, you're, you're just going to have to trust me on that, so if you don't, go ahead and watch Top Gun Maverick, and we'll still be here when you get back. Um, but uh, if you do trust me, you're good to, you're, you're good to go. We're going to hear, um, you're going to hear our thoughts on Top Gun Maverick, a little bit on the original Top Gun, because we both rewatched it so that it's fresh in our minds, um, but the point of this is to review the new movie, not the, not the old one. So we're going to do that, and you are about to hear a little bit of the Top Gun theme. to another episode of Heatwave Radio's Classic Movies Live. And today I have, uh, I want to start this one off a little bit different. Um, Pierre, have you seen the original movie Top Gun? I have, yeah. I think about two years ago. I uh, so it's it's been a bit, but like, do you remember your basic thoughts on it? Like, what do you think? Um, I remember it being very uh, overly, like, testosterone fueled but when i say testosterone fueled i mean like it tries so hard to be like manly that it kind of does the opposite um yeah it it, it felt very yeah that like the, i think it was like it was just very much a corny 80s action film that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know if this is entirely what you mean but it's it's very homoerotic but it doesn't it seems like that's unintentional. Yeah, there were very strong hints of that. Um, there's obviously the famous volleyball scene. <laughs> um, and also, like, there's lots of moments between him and Val Kilmer where they're just, like, 
just very close together and staring at each other's eyes like in like a menacing way but you know like because they were like enemies or whatever or rivals um they for sure have a will they want their relationship. yeah it's and i think it's it's just made worse by the fact that this movie is trying again so hard to be like masculine and like like i guess straight for like hetero heterosexual <laughs> white male type shit so um mm-hmm. you know i thought i think that was interesting um but it was definitely like i think it was like an enjoyable movie if you factor in you know this was like an 80s action movie basically mm-hmm. yeah. yeah i uh i recently watched it i watched it last last week and uh, or i guess earlier this week and i thought it was like fine it was just very 80s mm-hmm. like i mean i will definitely there's definitely going to be plenty of people that disagree with me on this because i know how like well-regarded Top Gun is by a lot of people, but, like, just very little about it stood out. Like, it's got cool action, I guess, but, like, none of it... I mean... I guess this is is a little foreshadowing, but none of it seemed that real, which it didn't have to. It's a movie, but, like, there are definitely, you know, some movies where the action feels... You know, when when the act, it's hard to explain, but when the action feels real, like when you can, when you see people doing like incredible stuff, it makes a difference between like that and when it's, I don't know, on a soundstage or on a green screen or something. And I don't think that Top Gun entirely came across like that, where it was like, where it looked like anything was on a green screen, but also like the planes were just they were just Hollywood planes, even though they were cool, impressive models and stuff. I don't know if there was, I don't know like how impressive they actually came across. And like, I'm probably downplaying it a little bit. Cause I think that they actually did do quite a bit of, um, quite a bit of like special action work there, but it just doesn't really come across. I just don't think that like when I, when I watched Top Gun, I was not as impressed as I wish I had been. Yeah. Especially for such like, it feels like a pretty famous movie, honestly. Um, it's, and it wasn't yeah, it's got like a why. huge reputation. Yeah. Um, so that's why I wasn't really too excited for Top Gun Maverick. Honestly, it felt like another like really bad, like eighties reboot of like an action movie that I felt like was just going <laughs> to kind of flop, you know? It's like I've, oh, I've yeah. seen this before. And I'm not going to say and like it would be wrong to say that no one cares about Top Gun because clearly people do. But it's also like at the same time it's like who is sitting there saying I have been waiting my entire <laughs> yeah. life for Top Gun to get a yeah. sequel. <laughs> it's like if you can show me people that will that, that like will say something along the lines of I've been waiting 36 years for this but have you have you really have you sat have you been sitting in your like sitting around for 36 years and just one thought that was always in your head is god damn I wish there was a top gun sequel and like I just don't buy it like I don't see not that top gun can't have a sequel it's just like I don't really see that as something that people were like really waiting for. So to me, it kind of, it sort of like when I heard about Top Gun Maverick, I'm like, Oh, this is another Ghostbusters situation or another 
Tron situation or something like, you know, sure you can have a sequel to Top Gun, but like, is anyone really out there asking for this? Yeah. That's why I I just, I really didn't see the point. Um, And Mm -hmm. that's why I also didn't really care when it was delayed, (laughs) like for what, two years, two, two and a half years, maybe. At least. I think it was it was it was filmed in twenty nineteen primarily. And it was originally I think the first trailer for it dropped in twenty nineteen. Yeah. Um late twenty nineteen, which is like crazy to think about. Yeah, and it was like next November it's gonna come out, and then next November was uh Obviously not when it came out. It just came, it, it came out two years later. Um, and this was another one of those movies. There's been a couple of movies, some that we've talked about on this show, where like at a certain point, it's like it's just kind of a meme to see like how long they're going to get delayed. Like New Mutants, every time New Mutants was delayed, I was like, nobody could have predicted this. Wow. Crazy. <laughs> Insane. Um, same with Same with Morbius. Same a little bit with Tenet, although that one, they, Warner Brothers was very, like, insistent that that one come out basically as soon as it possibly could. So it came out, you know, actually in 2020. But at a certain point, you know, Top Gun Maverick is just one of those where it got delayed forever. And the next time it got delayed, like, it was never a surprise. It's almost more of a surprise that it actually came out and that we can talk about it today. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I, I think a big part of why uh, it didn't come out in a, at an earlier time at all is, is Tom Cruise really wanted this to be seen in theaters. And I think he wanted a big crowd for it, too. So he was willing to wait. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's any studio, especially not Paramount. Paramount does not have the balls to stand up to Tom Cruise and be like, <laughs> we are not giving you what you want because he is... I mean, right now he's he's really been like on. Uh, I guess I, I want to. I mean, he's always been relevant, right? But I want to say this is he's been on a very big uptick recently. Um, and he feels like basically the last true action movie star, at least, as in someone mm-hmm. that can actually draw draw viewers in and make a lot of money based on his name, mostly not alone, but like. It, yeah, it's a big part of it. Yeah. It's like, I mean, we've mm. talked about people like Leonardo DiCaprio before. And like, when you see Leonardo DiCaprio's in a movie, that's a big draw. Mm. When you see Tom Cruise is in a movie, you almost don't need to know what the movie is. Mm. Yeah. Like, it's, it's either you're going to go to it because you love Tom Cruise, or you specifically dislike Tom Cruise, so you're not interested yeah. in the movie. And like, I know both, I know people that fit into both camps but like i when i look back at tom cruise's filmography i'm always shocked at like how many of the movies i've never heard of but not because i've never seen them advertised or in some cases not even because i haven't seen them it's just because i specifically like see tom cruise is in a movie and it's like oh this is a tom cruise movie i almost like don't know anything more about the movies because you almost don't need to like studios straight up studios. The studio didn't even need to advertise that this was a top gun movie. 
they literally could have just said this is another Tom, <laughs> Tom Cruise, Cruise movie and it would have brought people into the theater. Yeah. Um, well, I think what's interesting about Tom Cruise too is that, well, I'd say it's like him and like surprisingly like Ryan Reynolds, they, they've been really smart in finding um, directors they work really well with. Um, this is, mm-hmm. I think, Tom Cruise's second time working with this director, but he also had Christopher McQuarrie, uh, I think, touch on the script a bit. Um, is Christopher McQuarrie the guy who does uh, Mission Impossible? <clears throat> yeah, he's done Mission Impossible 5 and 6. Um, and I think he wrote uh, The Day After Tomorrow. Or no, what, what's the movie called where he dies? And the Edge, Edge of Tomorrow. Tomorrow. I think he wrote that one. And uh, yeah, so he's been working with him a lot. And he's also directing the next two Mission Impossible movies. Um, he, he had a hand on the script on this. But then also the director here, he directed Oblivion, um, which is a movie that came out in 2014, I believe, starring Tom Cruise, mm-hmm. which apparently was, I think I saw it. I don't really remember it that well. Um, I, it was it was like a post-apocalyptic movie, I believe, where Tom Cruise was like living on an island. Or, I think he was, he was one, he was living by himself and sort like, and there were like clones of him or something like every every few kilometers like living on this planet or something like that it was weird but it was interesting i guess cuz yeah mm. um but yeah so he teamed up with him again on this which was surprising cuz I, I feel like this this wasn't really a pairing i was expecting but um yeah he seems to like to find a, a director that he can collaborate with really well as a producer basically Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll kind of give him the aspects of a Tom Cruise movie that he wants now, which is heavy stunts, lots of stunts, and the ability to make him a badass, basically. I think what's kind of interesting about Tom Cruise is I, um, similar to someone like, uh, for example, Will Smith. Will Smith is the only person I can think of right now, but like, you'll hear a lot that Will Smith will go in and he'll insist on certain parts of the script. Like Will Smith himself won't necessarily rewrite parts of the script, but like there's lines in, su- in for example, the Suicide Squad, or I guess technically Suicide Squad, that are just like, that line is there and it doesn't sound very in character for, for Deadshot, but it does sound very in character for Will Smith mm. because that's a Will Smith line that was put there by him or his agent because that's what happens when you get Will Smith in your movie. And like um, Tom Cruise, the reason I bring up Will Smith is like Tom Cruise strikes me and from things that I've heard behind the scenes as someone who has the ability to and often does exercise like a comparable level of control on the script, but also like, I don't know too much about Tom Cruise as a person besides like the Scientology stuff. It never feels like when I'm watching a Tom Cruise movie, I never feel like Tom Cruise's character is Tom Cruise. Like he's very good about exercising that level of control on his, on projects he's in without specifically having to insert himself. Because like when I'm watching Top Gun, for example, or, um, I want to go back and just say even eyes wide shut. Like it seems like a movie. It it seems like a character that he clearly had influence over, 
but also he's fully in character. He's not playing Tom Cruise in that. He's playing a character he wants to play, and because he wants to play that character, he has ideas of how that character is going to act. Mm-hmm. Oh, and he's going to act like Tom Cruise. <laughs> well, a little, but that's the thing. Is like He acts like Tom Cruise, but he doesn't necessarily act like Tom Cruise's public persona. He acts like Tom Cruise's interpretation of that character. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. reason I... The reason I like compare him specifically to Will Smith is like if you watch Bright or Suicide Squad, those characters act like Will Smith's public mm-hmm. persona. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say like like uh, theoretically, if you compared Maverick to like uh, Ethan Hunt from Mission Impossible, they're they're pretty similar. At, at least like at least in the mm-hmm. latest movies for sure. Um, well, I mean, Tom Cruise also clearly has a character archetype. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like Joseph Kosinski, uh, he kind of come out on comes out of nowhere in 20, 2010, His first movie feature film was Tron Legacy, um, which which is insane. It's, it's a one hundred and seventy million dollar movie, <laughs> um, and it stars you know it has it's like it's uh, I mean I don't know much about the Tron series. This is like a sequel to like. A couple other ones, right? Or is this the second? Is there a Tron one? This is the second Tron okay. movie. So it's very comparable to Top Gun Maverick in that this is a random movie from the eighties that had. Well, Tron has more of a big cult following, but like, it's a very it's it's well known, but it's another movie that like you would have a hard time convincing me that anyone was sitting around being like, "We need more Tron," actually, yeah. <laughs> for thirty years. Yeah. Um, so like that's that's really interesting that that came out of nowhere. Um, it didn't seem to work out too well for him that time. Um, it wasn't that well received. Um, it did make money. I I've, I've heard yeah. it. It's been well received in terms of it's it's great looking, but the plot itself isn't that great. If that makes sense. That's what I've heard. The soundtrack is. Oh like, yeah. The soundtrack is incredible because it's Daft Punk. So obviously. Yeah. Um. Have you seen Tron Legacy? I haven't. I don't know anything about it. So I guess maybe my opinion doesn't count because I think the first Tron is bad. The second Tron is not better. It's arguably worse. Mm -hmm. Like Tron Legacy is not good. Damn, okay. (laughs) But it's very pretty. Okay, cool. Um, So yeah, that's interesting. And then he went on to do... uh, Um, what, what was his next movie? Oblivion, which is again like the one Tom Cruise was in. Uh, this was mm-hmm. received decently well. Um, okay, maybe not that well, and it didn't make that much money. Um, so he's not. He's and then he kind of took a break for four years. Uh, and he did a. I what is this movie? It's a it's a war movie starring Josh Only Brolin. Oh, he likes Miles Teller. This is his second time working with Miles Teller. Uh, this movie also didn't... Oh, it was received well, but it didn't do that well in the, in the box office. And then he did Top Gun Maverick. I don't know, he's just... He had a weird career, I'm not gonna lie. Great. Well, I mean, it's super... Yeah, it's super weird. He hasn't done... Like, he didn't do anything before 2010, comes right out the gate with a giant Disney sequel for $170 million. His second movie stars Tom Cruise, as as we've already said, one of the biggest, like... Movie stars ever one of the biggest movie stars maybe ever, certainly right mm-hmm. now. 
And then he does like a little movie that I guess, at least by comparison, you would have to call an indie movie. And now he's doing Top yeah. Gun. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I guess Tom Cruise really liked working with him the first time. It's the only reason I see and him, I think like, like, asking him to do it again. And also, like, clearly he did something very right with Tron Legacy because um, I think... I think what I could say about Joseph Kaczynski is he seems to be from my, from what I can, from what I've seen and from the impression I get from his filmography, he seems to be very good at identifying what is good about those old movies. Cause like with Tron legacy, Tron legacy is not similar to Tron. It's very different, but like he's, clearly identified the good parts because the people who liked the first Tron liked Tron Legacy a lot. And Tron Legacy was pretty okay received. Like it was mixed, but it wasn't, it wasn't like, it wasn't like critically panned or anything. And with Top Gun Maverick, as we'll talk about, also a very different movie from Top Gun, but like critically pretty well received. And the people who already liked Top Gun like Top Gun Maverick. At least that's the impression I get. It's only been out for like a day now, so it's hard to say for sure. But I think he's very good at identifying what what was good about those old movies and not necessarily putting a new spin on it, but using those elements without making his movies overly uh, like, oh, do you remember this? Oh, do you remember this? That was cool, wasn't it, back then? Like... These are very, these aren't nostalgia heavy movies. Yeah. Um, I don't know how to say it, but yeah, he's, I guess he's good. He has a talent for that, which is an odd thing to have a talent for. But, you know, he's, he's doing pretty good with it so far. Um, and he caught the eye of Tom Cruise, who, as we said earlier, he's really on the upswing here. Um, he seems to have, like, his newest thing is basically just challenging his body in whatever ways possible in his latest movies. <laughs> In like the best stunts, um, didn't he go to space or something? He's planning. He's apparently what he's gonna film a movie with SpaceX or something where he's actually gonna be in space, um, and they're gonna film it in space. I don't know if that's Mission Impossible, but there's there's something, some movie he's doing. Doug Lyman would be directing, so I don't think it's a movie that's technically been announced yet, other than that it's clearly going to happen. Yeah. Like he's announced that it's happening, but they haven't like announced what the movie yeah. is. But the only, <laughs> I know this movie's going to happen because there's no way Tom Cruise throws away the possibility of getting to film in space, which is like, I feel like his whole career, at least his career lately has been leading up to this, the ultimate stunt. Um, unless mm-hmm. like for somehow he's like the first person on Mars or something like that would be an even crazier stunt. But anyways, um, yeah, like with Mission Impossible, I think Mission Impossible recently has proven him to be like a really big box office um, star still, uh, especially with like the latest Mission Impossible 6 being the highest grossing one, which is crazy to think about. Um, and him doing a lot of his own stunts is a big selling point of a lot of his movies now, I'd say. Mm. Yeah, he very famously does his own stunts. And like, Quite a few actors insist on doing their own stunts. I think, like, Danny Trejo actually has famously said he doesn't insist on doing his own stunts because that takes jobs away from stunt people, which I think is, like, kind of a cool thing to say. But, like, very, like, 
Tom Cruise is very adamant and has been the, as far as I know, his entire career, like he does his own stunts. And that is a big draw. Cause like you get to see Tom Cruise do insane things and run a lot. He runs in every single movie. There's always, there's always a scene where he's running, but like, <laughs> that's just running. He also does like, it's insane. The number of the, the things he's, the things that they like, that he's willing to do. Have him yeah. do. Um, yeah. And he's able to ask Honestly, for these like, things because he's producing all of his latest movies too, for the most part. Is is Tom Cruise behind Skydance? Uh, what is that? Oh, uh, the the studio. The, the the production. Yeah, I'm company. not sure. That that sounds about honestly sounds about right though. Okay, it te- technically no no. Interesting. He just is in a lot of movies that are Skydance productions. Like the reason I brought the reason I ask is because when I saw Top Gun Maverick, Top Gun Maverick is a Skydance production, and also, um, so is Mission Impossible. So I'm like, is this just Tom Cruise stuff? But no, they are they are not technically uh, technically Top uh, Tom Cruise does not have a hand in Skydance. He's just in some Skydance yeah. movies. Okay. But yeah, anyway, so he he's in this movie <laughs> and he, he produces this movie. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit of what uh, Top Gun Maverick's about? Yeah, so Top Gun Maverick is technically a sequel to Top Gun. I guess it, it is a sequel to Top Gun. It's just a sequel to Top Gun uh, and both in real life and in universe the events of Top Gun take place about 36 years ago. Uh, now, for anyone who hasn't seen the original Top Gun, the original Top Gun is basically about a Navy uh, training program that gets like the best pilots and gets them into a competition, basically, to determine who is the Top Gun. Basically, who's the best pilot in the Navy. More or less. It's probably more complicated than that, but that's that's basically what it is. And like, it's an excuse for them to fly planes against each other and not necessarily have to have an enemy mm-hmm. right away. Um, so Top Gun Maverick is like... So it's, it's a sequel to that. And it involves Maverick, who is uh, Tom Cruise's character, being called back to the Navy Top Gun program along with several other Top Gun graduates to... Um, and now what I originally thought is to do like a Hunger Games catching fire style thing where they bring in all the best and then they find they bring in the people who've already won and figure out the best of the best of the best. But instead of that, what's actually going on is uh, the Navy has discovered um, illegal uranium in some unde- in some like non-specific con- enemy country, and they need Tom Cruise to put together a squad to destroy this illegal uranium, uh, basically. Illegal might not be the right word because technically this is a military operation in a different country, so I don't know if the laws necessarily apply or what laws apply, but it doesn't matter. So basically, Tom Cruise is given, uh, Maverick is given, like, he's basically brought in as an instructor for, I'm going to say, 12 former Top Gun graduates and it's about him training them for this mission that is 
basically impossible. The way they keep talking about it, he, the way they keep talking about it is they literally say this requires two miracles every time. And it's like, well, damn. Okay. Like it's an insane mission that no one can pull off, but Tom Cruise can pull it off and he has to get four other people that can help him do it. Yeah. And that's basically what the, what the, yeah, it's pretty straightforward. I mean, there's like a, there's a sub, like a romantic subplot. Um, there's a little bit of like Tom Cruise, like trying to make up for the past. Basically. I don't know. It's, it's uh, it's like that. That's a very small subplot that they kind of shove in for like a little more emotional development, which was fine. I liked it, but yeah. like, it wasn't really a big part uh, of the movie. Yeah, for for context, I guess uh, in the first top in the first Top Gun movie, uh, Tom Cruise's. This is a spoiler for the first Top Gun movie. Tom Cruise's flying partner uh, named Goose dies, and uh, in this movie. One of the Navy, one of the Navy Top Gun graduates is Goose's son. So there's a little bit of a like, there's a little bit of like a surrogate father relationship there, where um, Goose's son hates him for uh, actually something that isn't even brought up until pretty much until quite a bit later into the movie, but like it's implied basically that he hates him for the death of his father, which is not the thing that he actually hates him for. But like, because there's that baggage there, they have a bit of a strained relationship right from the start, even though rooster, which is goose's son's name, uh, is possibly the best pilot there. And the one that they, that he like needs to get along with so that he can have him fly the mission. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know about. It never felt like the best pilot. He was really good. Maybe, maybe not the best pilot, but like the best candidate for team leader. I should. Yeah. Well, there was like an interesting part too, where it's like, like the emotional. Like Tom Cruise wants to let him fly because he cares about him, but then also he doesn't want him to fly because if he dies, then he would. He's letting his, that's basically another person in the family that he's been a part of their death, I guess, if that makes sense. It's, it's like letting his friend die yeah, twice. Yeah, there you go. Especially because Miles Teller actually looks a lot like Goose from the first movie. Or no, doesn't, yeah, Goose. Um, it, was, yeah. it was actually really well done. Um, it feels like that's the only reason they hired him, but like, Miles Teller is actually, actually very good in this movie too. It's actually really funny because this movie takes place 36 years after the original Top mm-hmm. Gun in universe and out of universe. Uh, and in the original Top Gun, um, the character that Miles Teller plays in this rooster is actually in that movie as like a little as like a little mm-hmm. kid, like four or five years old, maybe. Which means that in this movie, oh, Miles Teller is yeah. playing a character who's got to be I like 40. Right? Wait, that doesn't make any sense. In real life, though. In real life, though, Miles Teller wasn't alive when Top Gun yeah. came out. Like, he's younger than Top yeah. Gun. And he's playing someone who's got to be, like, 40, which is super weird. But, like, they just sort that of, they, they never weird. really touch on like, it. Like, I guess they actually felt, like, maybe mid, late, like, late 20s, maybe? I don't know. They definitely, like, bring up 
reasons that if if it were to be revealed that his character is older than the rest of the characters, it would make mm-hmm. sense because um, he got held back. Like he he had to start the Navy uh, Academy later than everyone yeah. else for various reasons. But still, like he does not look forty, and his character and has to be forty like for this 40. for this to work. <laughs> he's played. He's played like a kid, basically. Um, yeah, it's yeah, really but strange. hey, it's I, I. I'm not gonna lie. the The continuity and canon of Top Gun isn't really a concern for me when I'm watching it. So I guess I'll give it a pass. No. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I I, uh, I thought Miles Teller was actually uh, really good. I I actually loved basically every actor in this. I think that this was full of phenomenal performances. Yeah, I kind of wish some of them got, like, I wish we got some more moments with the younger crew to, like, kind of see them Mm -hmm. grow together. But also, like, I kind of liked how this was still Tom Cruise's movie, if that makes sense. Like, this wasn't, like, a passing of the torch movie. This was still very much Maverick was the star of this movie. Um, and his yeah. arc was what mattered, and it wasn't like the new crew. Like, like thank God they didn't make Miles Teller the star. Is what I'm basically saying. Even though, like, again, he was good in yeah. this. I just I don't like Miles Teller. They 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 did really good with what they gave him in this movie. But I feel like if he was the lead, it definitely would not have worked out. And I mean, like, this doesn't feel like a passing of the torch movie to the degree that I honestly cannot see what a sequel to this would look like. Like, there's mm-hmm. just no reason for a sequel to yeah. this. Yeah. Which I think is good. Like, this movie... I actually think this movie stands on its own at least as well, if not maybe even better than the original Top mm-hmm. Gun. And, like, I don't know. Don't don't mess that up. Don't make a third yeah. one. I think it's I think it's perfect. Yeah, and but it, it was still cool how they um, paid a lot of homage to the first one like there was a lot still a lot of respect for the first one like they play they played kenny Loggins at the start i think right um and they had like some return they mentioned like a lot of the events of the first movie um like obviously goose uh they had val kilmer in this which was actually really surprising i don't okay i don't know if this was just me i thought he was dead i'm not gonna lie he is he's Almost completely retired from yeah. acting because he has. I don't know. There's actually a, a kind of interesting documentary that came out last year called Val, just about his mm-hmm. career. Uh, he had, I can't remember if it was throat cancer or lung cancer or both, mm-hmm. but he's oh, he's gotten over it. But he can barely talk. Yeah. He mostly talks through a machine, mm-hmm. um, which um, I was actually really impressed with how they handled it here, and I think that Val Kilmer. Did, did a great job he was i thought it was i thought it was cool that he was on screen and i thought that even without basically almost entirely without talking he did a great job on this yeah no he um like his his scene with tom cruise was extremely emotionally um like moving and also like really mm-hmm. important too like this wasn't like a shoved in cameo scene just for like mm-hmm. like this like there wasn't like I don't want to say it. it wasn't a scene that was like nostalgia baiting for the first one. It exactly. Was like really this is, necessary for this movie to work. 
this is kind of what I'm saying with Joseph Kaczynski really understanding what made those movies, what made those original movies good and knowing just what to pick, like pick out of them. Because like this movie, you know, coming out of the first movie in the first movie, uh, Tom Cruise does not like Maverick does not win Top Gun. He's second place. And Iceman, which is Val Kilmer's character is actually first place. He's the one that wins Top Gun. And like, because of that, like, without that happening, like, this movie builds on that in a way that, like, that is essential to this movie's plot happening at, the fir- at all. Like, those two have a relationship between then and here and now that, like, is essential to this movie happening. Mm. Like, um, and it, it's really important that, like, that, that relationship is actually central to the first half of Top Gun Maverick. And, like, when Iceman is brought back in, it doesn't feel like he's brought back in so that they can show us Val Kilmer and be like, hey, remember? Iceman was also a character. It's like, no, this is the ending of an entire, like, emotional character arc yeah. here. Um, and that, that, like, that whole scene was, yeah, really touching. Even even without, like... I mean, he does actually speak um, in it for a little bit. Um but like there was a there's a part where he's just typing on a computer and almost like it was weird how they almost made that hit harder because mm-hmm. like even even without the talking like it was like like i remember this one part where tom cruise is like like he responds to something iceman typed and then when he finishes talking iceman doesn't like change anything on the screen cuz it's like move on you got to move on or something like that and it, like, it felt mm-hmm. that much more poignant because it was like the text was still there. I don't know. That was really cool how they made it work. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool way of like... It's a really cool way of limiting that character because the character, he can't... He can't give long speeches, so he doesn't. He just like... He, you know, he makes every mm-hmm. word count because it has yeah. to. And yeah, it really like... Is. It's really cool how Tom Cruise is able to play off of that and also how Val Kilmer is able to deliver that. Oh yeah, I think like they both did amazing jobs. Like that's the thing too is like you could tell these two are like both really seasoned actors in terms of like they they both really carried a lot of weight in that scene. Um despite like the odd dynamic, I guess. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, that that was really cool. Um and yeah, they also like like that's the thing it, it almost felt like an 80s movie but like actually really well done if that makes sense. I don't know how to say it. It's like they didn't shy away from like, because there was still like lots of like, you know, very masculine scenes, I guess. And there was like the very obvious love interest that has nothing else to do but be in love with Tom Cruise. Um, But they all just felt more tastefully done, I guess. And I guess less screen time was dedicated to that. It was still there, but like it was just reduced. Um, What's her name? Sorry, I don't. I'm trying to remember her name. Uh, I think Jennifer, it's Jennifer, Jennifer Connelly. Connelly. Yeah, she was like, I didn't really like that arc in the first movie and I thought it took too much time. In this, I still felt kind of bored by it. But like, they basically put her in just enough to give Tom Cruise like some emotional leverage in terms of if he dies, like he's throwing that life away basically. Um, and that's like a big part of his arc in this is like, they mentioned a couple times, like, if he dies, like, who's who's going to miss him? Like, no one really cares, right? Um, 
yeah. so he's kind of also moving on in terms of like I don't it doesn't necessarily they don't necessarily say he quits the army in this but it's more like he's finally accepted being possibly like a family man or like changing his life yeah because like a big part of his character in the original top gun as well is that maverick is like he's very selfish isn't quite the right word he's very like um he's very cocky because like he'll do he'll go out of his way to like do what he thinks is right even if it goes against orders uh, even if it's very stupid, like I don't even when I say do what he thinks is right, that's maybe not even quite the best description of it. Because like he'll do very dangerous stuff that is probably not a good idea because he wants to, or because if it does go well, like if it's it's a huge risk, but like if he is able to pull this off, then it's going to be really cool, or it's going to be really good, or something. Mm-hmm. And like that's a big part of his. Um, it's a big part of his character in the first Top Gun. And like in the first Top Gun, uh, he's not specifically rewarded for that. But at the end, um, when at the end of the movie, he's like, like a big part of his resolution is that he takes a big risk and it pays off. And in this movie, you still have that, but there's a lot more emotional punch to it where, you know, by the end of the movie, he sort of has to, come around as a person and realize that like he can take these big risks but also it's not just him who stands to lose mm-hmm. from it yeah and that was like a cute arc like it wasn't like overbearing like it's like mm-hmm. uh they still i guess they let the action i guess carry the movie um, and everything else was kind of like the cherry on top, like subtle backdrop that kind of boosted the action, if that makes sense. Um, which mm-hmm. was great too, because I, the action was by far like the best part of the movie. Um, and it was yeah. amazingly done. Like I can't stress that enough. The, <coughs> the final, the third act, like I wasn't too hot on this movie until the third act um, or like maybe halfway through. And that's when it really started. Like that the first time we see, um, I don't know if we're talking about spoilers, but we, there's a scene where we see Tom Cruise uh, do the course that he's teaching people, basically. Um, mm-hmm. And it's, like, really, really good. And that's when, like, everything clicks. Yeah. Is like that, that's when the movie made sense for me. It was really stressful and really fun to watch. Even though you kind of know he's, like, in the end, like, you know, it's, like, it's always, like, a good guys win type of scenario. But the way it's filmed is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 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 I think like the action is the biggest draw of this. First off, like it's, it sounds incredible. It's shot really, really well. And like when I said, this is why I brought up that the first Top Gun, a lot of the action feels not super impressive, even though it's there and it's a big draw of the movie. It just kind of feels dated a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know, in 20, in 36 years, this may also feel dated, but like... No, there's no way. I there's, it, it, this is, this feels that, real. Yeah. Because a lot of it was like legitimately was. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they actually rented out these planes. They actually flew them. They like put camera, they like, I, I remember seeing a headline somewhere that there was one scene they could only film once because like it was just going to be actually too expensive to try it more than that. Like 
they went all out on the action and I think it really paid off. Yeah. I, um, I don't know. Like I, I was, I was really like feeling it in the theater. Like, especially like lately I've seen, I feel like I've seen so many blockbusters, especially with TV shows now. Um, like, Oh my God. Like, okay. I don't know. This is a spoiler, but like, I, uh, this is something else completely, but I watched Obi-Wan Kenobi, the Obi-Wan Kenobi TV show right after I came back from Top Gun, basically. Um, and just like watching the effects of like the latest Marvel and Star Wars stuff is like embarrassing to watch compared to like something like Top Gun Maverick, which was like, it's just, it felt so real and visceral and like, like, it's it, it's incomparable and it's like embarrassing that like these huge studios like the action does not compare at all it's it's not even close um yeah and so this had a budget of 170 million and like this is what a 170 million dollar movie should yeah, look like yeah like it like it looks like they used every single cent of that money to make this movie work and like it's not like they're like they're saving money on like like Tom Cruise was in this movie. <laughs> like he probably cost a lot of that money. <laughs> Seriously. Well, and like it cost eleven thousand dollars a day minimum to rent every jet yeah. too. So it's like this this movie was expensive. It like there's it's not like they're doing a lot of tiny, tiny things. This movie well, I mean, it needs the hundred and seventy million dollars, but they also like there's no there's no fat on this movie. They didn't they didn't like take fifty million of that and put that into CGI yeah. or something. At the end of this, they probably have like thirty bucks left. <laughs> yeah, no, but it, like like stuff like that, like um, it's it's crazy how much I guess I I feel like I missed that. I can't remember the last time I felt so um, I guess into the action if that makes sense. Um, I think. Yeah, well, I was gonna say like maybe like Mad Max, which was also very much shot, uh, like with practical stuff. Um, yeah, I think I've seen mo- I've seen plenty of movies, even in the last year, where I'm like that feels like its budget and like good for its right. budget. But those are indie movies. Like everything, everywhere, all at once feels great for a forty million dollar movie. But like that's that's a fraction of this movie. I can't. I think Mad Max was probably also the last movie I saw that felt great. That felt like that felt really good for a one hundred plus million dollar movie. And like this, you know, before this one, like it's very rare that I would say this is what a hundred and seventy million dollar movie should look like. Well, I was like literally gripping my seat. In like excitement for what was happening, I I can't mm. remember like the last time I've actually done that. So, um, yeah, like amazing stuff, and that's what I really like about like the the Tom Cruise I guess brand right now is just that like him and his team are actually putting work into figuring out how to do these stunts properly and how to like mm-hmm. convey it well in the movie. Like it is not I can't imagine how how hard it must have been to plan out these jet. Like again, it was eleven thousand dollars a minute. To, to run these jets, right? Did you say a I minute? I think it was a minute, wasn't it? I actually don't know. I know the $11,000. I don't know what per what unit of time. Um, I thought it was a no, day. There's, I, I feel like there's no way. I, I can double check, but... Uh, but, like, I, but like, 
Tom Cruise says in interviews, like, I make movies for theaters. And, like, in general, when I read that, I'm like, oh, well, yeah, I mean, obviously you make movies for theaters, but times have changed, man. Like, come on, get with the times. But, like, then I saw this, and I'm like, oh, I get it. He understands that, like, the movie landscape is changing. People aren't just going to theaters. A lot of people are waiting for the for the home releases. People are, like, there is like a major shift happening in how people consume movies. And like, when I hear people say in general, like you have to see this movie on the big screen, it just sounds tone deaf to me usually because it's like, well, I'm sure you say that because that's how you, you know, got into movie making is making movies for the big screen. Of course you're going to say that, but like Tom Cruise, isn't an idiot. He doesn't like, he understands that the movie landscape is changing. And that's why when he says he makes movies for, he makes movies for the big screen. Like he also makes it so that if you go to the, he's, he's also like very invested in making it so that if you go see a Tom Cruise movie, you gonna... feel like you should have seen it in theaters. <laughs> yeah. And I can say the same about like, fallout too. Like that, that was definitely mm-hmm. like, it was, it was really good in theaters. I mean, it's like, it, I'm sure it'd be great to watch at home too. Like this is, I well, want to I mean, watch like, this movie again. I, but I do want to watch, I want to watch it in theaters. Like, I want to go to an IMAX theater. Like really. I went it. to just the, yeah, I, I would, I'm, I'll see how long this movie is in theaters. Cause I don't want to do it like tomorrow, but I definitely want to go back and like, see this movie on the biggest screen with the biggest effects I can. Yeah. Same. I'm really excited. For and that. like, yeah, I mean, I have not seen most of the Mission Impossible movies, but I plan to see the next one. And like, I guess I will report back to you on how they are at home because I can't obviously see Mission Impossible 6 in theaters anymore. But yeah, I'm, this is cool. Like, I'm, I'm very glad Tom Cruise is making movies and making movies the way he is because I expected nothing from this movie. And this is one of my favorite movies I've seen all year. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's really cool. I can't... Tom Cruise yeah. did it again. I don't know how he did it. He yeah. did. Um, but yeah, like the... Uh, like the... I, I, I'm I kind of interested to see him... Joe Krizen... Wait, what's his name? Um, Joseph... Joseph. I just realized his Krasinski. name is really similar to John Krasinski. Oh my god. Um, I'm really excited to see what if, if he can pull off something like this again in the future. Because, yeah, like, in, in terms of, this is a real, really great directing feat, too. Like, I, I can't imagine how much work it, it took to, like, that last sequence in the third act where they're, um, it felt like a, the the latest version, it felt like a um, a rebirth of the trench run from Star Wars, but, like, with way better effects, basically. Oh, that, yeah. That was so tense, and I, like, it was really, really, really well done. I can't stress that enough. Um. I have no idea how Joseph Kaczynski got the job to direct Tron Legacy, having done nothing before that. But, like, he was great. He's a great director. It's crazy how, like... Because this movie works for a lot of different reasons, but if it had had a bad director, it would not have been good. And this movie is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tom Cruise really knows how to pick him. I don't know what to say. Yeah, no kidding. So, yeah, I'm I'm kind of interested to see what him... I don't know if I'd... How excited I would be 
from the directed movie without Tom Cruise, but like I'm really excited to see well, what I he mean, does next, I guess. We don't have to wait long. Spiderhead oh, comes yeah. out in that like, three weeks. I don't know. <laughs> I I'm not that it I'm interested. I think I actually want to watch it. It looks interesting. I don't know if I'm gonna love it though. But anyways. I'm I'm interested to see like I'm interested to see more of Joseph Kaczynski because I mean, there's no way Top Gun Maverick is a fluke. But also, like, I don't know what he would be like without... Because Top Gun Maverick, I say there's no way it's a fluke, but also um, fully with the knowledge that Joseph Kaczynski is not the only talented person there. Like, any single weak link on Top Gun Maverick, and Top Gun Maverick would have been much worse Mm -hmm. than it is. Yeah. Like... If the screenplay hadn't been yeah. good, if one of the actors hadn't brought their A game, then Top Gun Maverick would be fine versus yeah. excellent. And so, I mean, I don't know. Spiderhead may be incredible. Maybe everyone on Spiderhead is bringing their A game, but like, I'm I'm interested to see because I want to know. You know, the only two. There's only a couple of small people. There's only a couple of people that Spiderhead and Top Gun Maverick have in common, and I want to see how much like what happens when it's only those two that are the same between them. What is the difference between those? Yeah. Movies? Well, it might be like one of those cases where the the director. Like I remember thinking, oh, the Russo brothers, like they were they did really good with the Avengers movies, which like seem like insanely complex, like projects to build they must have a great time working like on an indie project and then we saw cherry so uh yeah i don't know we'll see um yeah um who else who else uh, did you like in this movie acting wise there's miles teller tom Holland, jennifer connelly uh i really really liked glenn powell in this uh he wasn't in it for very long but i thought he was fantastic he played Hangman. He was oh, like, yeah. uh, he was actually kind of the, he, he was like the Iceman like to compare the... people. He was basically the Iceman here where Miles Teller was the Maverick mm-hmm. in a way. Even, and he was, even really though we good. don't really get too much of their rival really, but we do see. <laughs> yeah. Their rivalry is definitely secondary, but it's supposed to, like, it's, it's also a clear callback to that same kind of rivalry in the first mm-hmm. one. Yeah. No, he was really good. He was, like, definitely really, like, I love the cockiness and, like, but he was also, like, never, he wasn't always wrong, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was interesting because he's an asshole, but also what the role he's specifically <laughs> competing for is team leader. So even when people, like, weren't his biggest fan, like, it was his, uh, like, his, as part of his character, he couldn't just be an asshole who was always wrong and evil. He was sometimes mm-hmm. right. He actually did have, like, an okay relationship with most of the people, even if they were like, yeah, this guy kind of sucks. But also, you know, he's not mm-hmm. all bad. So, like, it was really, it was a really interesting role because he was antagonistic, but he was also a good guy. And he had to very much play both yeah. roles. And when, like, when, well, I, when he does, like, when things don't work out for him, he's never, like, really salty about it either. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like... Yeah, he's a team yeah, player. Yeah. Because he has to <clears throat> be. Yeah, no, I, li- I like that about him. It was, like, a very mature role, I guess. 
Um, mm-hmm. And I, I like, yeah, it, it didn't make it the main, not making that like the main conflict of the movie was kind of nice too, because I thought that could have been too much. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think like the first movie has a big <laughs> emphasis on rivalry, where this movie has that as an element, but it's not the main point, because the main point is on teamwork, which is a really good, which positions it as a really good companion to the first movie, especially because of how that affects Maverick. Like Maverick is Maverick as a character works best in a rivalry. The best thing you can do for his character development is to put him in a situation where he can't have a rival. Yeah. Which, yeah. Well, I mean, he kind of, I thought it was, uh, you're you're talking about Maverick, right? I'm talking about Maverick Um, I thought John Hamm was kind of, filled that role sort of in a way like it was yes. very kind of i wouldn't say like a straight on rival but it was kind of like tom cruise was going one way and he kind of like collided diagonally with him if that makes sense not head on well it's it's a different <clears throat> rivalry because john ham and tom cruise aren't competing for the same role like there's zero chance tom uh, john ham is ever gonna fly a plane in this in this movie but Tom Cruise's rival here is bureaucracy. Like he definitely has to, he definitely has that rivalry with, with John Hamm. It's just that there is no, there's no scenario in this movie where John Hamm fully takes over Tom Cruise's role. Uh, well, I guess as the teacher, sort of, but that wasn't teacher, really, yes. that wasn't really an important plot point. It's yeah. It's, it's like, a tiny part of the plot that is an, it's an important plot moment, not so much an important plot yeah. point. By the way, I love John Hamm in this too. I mean, I love John Hamm in everything, but I thought he was yes. really, really great in this. Um, I'm always wanting to see John Hamm in more movies. Cause like I mostly know him from TV, but he, he's just not in it. I don't even know why I know him that well. Like I don't watch, I've only seen him in like baby driver and this movie, I think, I don't know what else. I think I've seen him in, like, maybe, uh, what? Oh, uh, what was that show that Tina Fey did? The, uh, no, the other one, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable yeah, Kimmy Schmidt. Yeah, I didn't love that show, but I liked him in that, too. Did you ever see Bad Times at the El Royale? I didn't. I was just looking at that, though. I heard, I, you I heard he was good That movie's too. so good. And he's really good at it. Yeah, so he's in. It's interesting. Oh, I saw him in Curb Your Enthusiasm too. But anyways, I I don't know why I know him that well. But like, anyways, he w- he was really great in this movie too. And I thought this was like a cool. I wish I saw him in bigger things. This is definitely the definition of a bigger thing. And I thought he did well mm-hmm. in it. So yeah. Very very great job all around. Yeah, so in general. What would you uh, what would you give this movie if you had to if you had to rate it? I'm feeling like an eight point five. I think. I think like this may change on reevaluation when it's no longer in theaters. So I want to first off just like heavily recommend if you have the opportunity to see Maverick in theaters, do that. It's it's absolutely mm-hmm. worth it. For me, this is like. This is a nine, like a solid nine. Yeah. And like that might change if there once this becomes no longer something you can see in theaters, because I don't think this movie will translate as well to like watching it on your TV, Mm -hmm. but I think it's still good. Like 
this might go from a nine to yeah. an eight or something, but it's definitely, definitely a it's nine. It's kind of like, it's tough to say, but this is like definitely like an experience type of movie rather than like a, yes. a movie movie. Like, if that makes sense. Like, when this movie is out of theaters, straight up, if you haven't seen it, you will have yeah. missed it. You can still watch it later, but it's yeah, not the same. For sure. So, um, yeah, but this is definitely, like, one of the better... I think this is probably my second favorite movie of the year. After... I think I put it at number three. What's your second? Uh, Turning Red. Oh, okay, cool. I disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But yeah. Um, do we know what movie we're talking about next? So I have one I want to do next, but we haven't figured out whether or not it's actually going to come to a place you can see it. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a... It's kind of an indie movie, mm. I guess. It's a Canadian it, movie. What's it it's called? Never Let me check play anywhere. Crimes of the Future. I definitely want to talk about that on this show. It's just like, will that actually oh, yeah, come to a place that you can see on it? Thursday. Seriously? Yeah, Landmark. I think it's only one day. But yeah, Thursday, this Thursday, yeah. Oh my god, can we talk about Crimes oh, of the Future? God. I'm kind of scared. I don't know if I want to watch this in theaters, honestly. I think it's really messed up. Well... We'll talk about it. We'll yeah, consider yeah. it. Yeah. So it's possibly Crimes of the Future next. Possibly. 